Well, if you have your Bibles, look with me to Mark chapter 15, Matthew, Mark chapter 15. I'll get there eventually. One other point of huge celebration. Just this week, we closed on the office building across the street. That's $825,000 that we were able to pay down on our debt. So we celebrate that. And thank you for praying with us. Uh, It was great to be able to bless someone with that building. So now we don't have to... uh, Look after it. Well, today we're continuing this series that we've titled His Pain, Our Gain. How many of you are grateful that Jesus endured the pain for your gain? How many of you know it is the game changer, right? It's the difference maker. It's, it's why you're here today. It's, it's, it's um, a part of who you are today. In this series, we're talking about what Jesus Christ endured through his process of death that, that we might have life. There was certainly the physical pain that would have come from the 39 lashes from the cat and nine tails, the physical pain of the crown of thorns on his head, the physical pain just through the crucifixion process. But there were also other pains, what I call internal, internal pains that Jesus endured on our behalf. Last Sunday, Pastor Marcus talked about the pain of betrayal as, as Judas, one of Jesus' own disciples, betrayed him. 30 pieces of silver and that internal pain that Jesus must have experienced. And this morning, we want to look at a a different pain, though similar to betrayal. We're going to talk about the pain of rejection. You know, on his way to the cross, Jesus experienced the deep pain that comes as we're rejected by the very people we've loved, we've shared life with, people that, that have value in our lives, just as Jesus endured rejection, so we and probably all of us have experienced some level of rejection in our lives. Um, and it's not just what we have experienced because we do life with messed up people, right? Just look around the room. It's a room full of messed up folks that we're doing life with. What I know is there's probably some form of rejection in your future. So this morning, not only do we want to talk about Jesus' rejection, but we want to talk about like how can we, in a, health, in a healthy way, process through rejection. You know, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3 says this. Listen so now this verse reads, consider him. Consider him being Jesus who endured such opposition, such rejection, if you will, from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Consider means to think over, to, to ponder, to compare. So let's consider what, Jesus, what, what the cross was to Jesus. And for Jesus, the cross was a fate worse than death. Indeed, it was death. It was a very cruel death. But it was so much more than just the loss of life. Leading up to the crucifixion, Jesus bore the pain of being rejected by his own people. He was rejected that we might be accepted. That's the good news. Jesus bore the pain of rejection that you and I today might be accepted by God. Now, I'm certain that most everyone in the room today has had to process through rejection at, at some point in your life. You've experienced that pain at the gut level. You've experienced the deep pain of the soul when, when someone you really cared about rejected you or turned away from you. Possibly it was a friend you trusted. Possibly it was an ex-mate who is no longer a part of your life. Possibly it was an employer who for 
no reason let you go. They rejected you. And, and there's so many other scenarios and ways that rejection plays out in our lives. But what I would like to do just for a moment is let's talk about what was the emotion like when you experienced the rejection? What did you feel as a result of being rejected by someone that would have been significant in your life? Yes. I'm sorry? Bitter. Bitter? Yeah, so there's a bitterness that can grow as a result of rejection. Someone over here said really loud. Unworthiness? Yeah, so all of a sudden, we allow someone else to define how we see ourselves. So now we feel unworthy. That's a good word. Someone else? Abandonment? Yeah, we feel abandoned. We had entrusted ourselves to someone. Now they've rejected us, so we feel abandoned by them. I saw a hand all the way in the back. Jim? Depression, yeah, depression begins to set in and that we internalize often the pain and um, how we view ourselves, so depression sets in. I saw another hand, yes, Gigi? Disappointed, angry, yeah, because you love someone, you entrust yourself to them, you're engaged in some level of relationship, and then they reject you, there's an anger. Yes, ma'am? Stress. Stress? Yeah, it produces some anxiety in our lives as a result of, again, a loss of relationship. So obviously all of these things, and we could go on and on, but these are the real emotions that we feel as we experience rejection, the pain of someone turning away from us. Now, there's no doubt that rejection causes an acute kind of suffering. It's, it's cuts link, it cuts lingering wounds that can splinter in many directions. It lodges itself into the memory, altering the way we see ourselves, the way we relate to others. It even negatively, it can negatively impact how we relate to God. All a result of this issue of, of rejection. That's why... These places of rejection must be properly addressed, or what happens is it ends up paralyzing us. It, it ends up robbing us, robbing us of life. You know, as Jesus endured rejection, he, he didn't internalize it, nor did he allow it to keep him from moving forward. He actually embraced it as part of the process of living out the will of his Father, of going the way of the cross. You know, as we think of Jesus' road to Calvary and the pain he endured through crucifixion, it was, it was really an experience full of highs and lows. I mean, just a couple days earlier, just a couple days before Jesus experienced rejection, you remember what happened? It's, it's this very day that we celebrate. This is Palm Sunday. You remember what happened on Palm Sunday? Here's Jesus, yeah, Hosanna. Here's Jesus riding into Jerusalem and the crowds that line the street. It's like this huge party. It's this huge celebration. And they're singing out, they're crying out, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. I mean, this was just a couple days. A couple days before Jesus would be re rejected, before this very crowd would cry out, crucify him. I mean, here's the people singing praise one day and 
rejecting the Son of God the next day. Like, like, how can you say, how could you say you are the king one day and then cry out, crucify him, just a few days later? But they did. They did as Jesus endured the pain of of rejection. I mean, mean, think about this. For three years, Jesus had lived among the people of Israel, bringing hope, bringing healing, bringing help, healing sick people, healing people of diseases. I mean, they experienced all of this. I mean, you would think, you would think that that people loved him and, and were grateful for all he had done, yet they inexplicably turned on him, crying out for his death in a single moment. In a single moment, the people rejected Jesus. And we pick up the crucifixion story in the gospel of Mark chapter 15. At this point, Jesus has already suffered betrayal by Judas. He was arrested in the garden of Gethsemane. He's been condemned by the religious leaders. But here's the problem. The religious leaders can't crucify him. They don't hold the power to crucify him. So they take him to Pontius, Pontius Pilate, who would have been the Roman governor over this region of Judea. So I want to pick up the story. Mark chapter 15, verse 2. Pilate asked Jesus this question. Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, yes, it's as you say. Notice verse 3, the chief priest accused him of many things. So again, Pilate asked him, are you going to answer? See how many of these things they're accusing you of? But Jesus still made no reply, and Pilate was amazed. Now it was custom at the festival, which which would be the feast of the Passover, to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews, asked Pilate, knowing it was out of self-interest that the chief priest had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have Pilate released, to to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. Notice verse 12, what shall I do then with the one you call king of the Jews, Pilate asked them. Crucify him, they shouted. Why? What crime has he committed, asked Pilate, but they shouted all the louder, crucify him. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Now Jesus was rejected by the very people he loved and served. And and what made their rejection, I think, even more painful as we read this story is that they chose a a convicted murderer over Jesus. Like, how could that be? Like, how could they make that decision? As recorded in history, the release of a Jewish prisoner was customary before the feast of Passover. The Roman governor, which would have been Pilate, would grant clemency to one criminal as an act of goodwill toward the Jews that he governed. The choice that Pilate set before them could could not have been more clear-cut. I mean, you have a high-profile killer, a rabble-rouser, or you have one who was unquestionably unquestionably guilty, or you have this miracle worker being Jesus who was demonstrably innocent. And the crowd chose Barabbas. 
And Pilate seemed to be surprised at this. It's like he asked them again and again, like he's trying to get them to make the sensible decision, like why would you choose Barabbas, the known murderer, over Jesus? He's done nothing wrong. Yet they continued to cry out, crucify him. I I want us to see this morning if we can play this trial scene out right here in the sanctuary. I'm going to play the role of Pilate, and you're going to play the role of the crowd. Are you with me? Nod your head. So from the pole this way, you're going to be one part of the crowd. From the pole this way, you're going to be another part of the crowd. So that means from the balcony, sound booth over, you're on this side, sound booth over, you're on this side. Okay? So you're the crowd. And so being Pilate, I'm going to ask you a question. Okay, so for this side, here's the question, what do you, who do you want me to release to you? And when I ask that question, I want you to scream out really loud, Barabbas. Are you with me? You only have one word this morning, okay? And the word's Barabbas. And then for this side, balcony included, I'm going to ask this question, what, what then shall I do with the one you call king of the Jews? And I want you to cry out, crucify him. You should have said on this side. (laughs) Are you with me? So this is the scene that would have played out. Pilate would have been elevated to some degree over the crowd, and he asked this question, who do you want me to release to you? (laughs) What then shall I do with the one you call king of the Jews? Let's try one more time. I want you to feel the emotion of this. Because this is the way it played out. This is what Jesus experienced. The hands of his own people. I mean, Pilate was just a sit-in governor. He didn't want to be in over Judea. He didn't want to over see the rule, uh, oversee the the Jews. Yet it was the assignment that was given to him, like he's just kind of like playing this thing out. But you, the crowd, like you're his family, you're his blood, you're of his lineage. That's what was playing out in this moment. So again, you know your role. Here's the question. Who do you want me to release to you? What then shall I do with the one that you call king of the Jews? And in that moment, Jesus felt the pain of rejection. Again, by his own. By people he had loved and people he had served. By the people he had taught and people that he had done miracles among They chose a known murderer over Jesus, and Jesus was condemned to death. Death by the crucifixion. So why is rejection so painful? Sometimes debilitating. Why does it hurt so bad? Probably numerous reasons, but I'm going to quickly give you three 
out of what Jesus experienced. The first is this, rejection opens our lives to the deception of the enemy, to the deception of the adversary of our souls. You know, John 10, 10 says this, that the thief comes to, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. If given the opportunity, when there's a point of rejection, when you're rejected by someone that you love, the adversary brings a lie. The lie is used to steal our identity. The lie is used to kill, and, and that if rejection's not properly addressed, something within us dies. The lie is used to destroy our lives, limiting our potential. What I've discovered in working with a lot of people, because a lot of us, obviously, probably all of us experience rejection at some point, but as I work with a lot of people who've, who've experienced the pain of rejection, what I've discovered is that the trauma of rejection skews not only how they view themselves, but how they view life. In other words, it distorts so rejection opens our lives to the lie of the enemy. I think rejection also reinforces feelings of inadequacy or unworthiness that we have about ourselves. In other words, it, we, we already have struggles with identity, and then when we're rejected, it's like that's compounded. It makes us feel like we're the problem. It distorts, again, how we, how we view ourselves. As a result of the painful experience of rejection, we process life with a fear of rejection that keeps us from developing healthy relationships. And this is how it plays out. When we get rejected, oftentimes this is what happens is we put up walls to protect ourselves. It's like, I'm not going to be hurt like that again. I'm not going to allow someone else close enough to me to create that kind of pain in my, in my life. So we put up walls. Well, here's the second tendency we have is we anticipate rejection. We've been rejected, so we anticipate that you're going to reject me, therefore I withdraw from you. I, would, I withdraw from relationship because I know that you're messed up. And out of your messed up self, you're probably going to reject me, so I'm just going to play it safe. Therefore, we don't engage in healthy relationship. The tendency is, is we become guarded and cynical. And it's, it comes about as a result of the pain of rejection. Well, just as Jesus had to endure the pain of rejection, again, so will we. Most of us, if not all of us in the room, we experience rejection. Um, and here's the sad part, rejection's probably in your future, right? Unless you're like isolated, living on an island alone, this is what I know, as you do relationship and life with people, then this kind of stuff happens. So how can we process through rejection? How can we process through the pain of rejection in a healthy way so that we don't get stuck in it? As I wrap this up this morning, let me just leave you with a few things, and then we're going to have a, a, a time of prayer this morning around this issue of, of rejection. But how do we move beyond rejection? I think first, first you have to acknowledge what you're feeling. In other words, get honest about what happened. Get honest with yourself. You know, no one can tell you how you're feeling except for you. Before you can begin addressing your feelings around rejection, it's important to acknowledge them. So telling yourself that you don't care, 
Like that doesn't solve the problem. You do care. And telling yourself like it really doesn't matter. No, it does matter. Like you're carrying the pain of that forward. So acknowledge, acknowledge what you're feeling. You know, as I sit with individuals who've experienced the pain of rejection, one of the things I try to get them to do is to unpack the pain. Like not only what happened, but how are you feeling as a result of what happened? To acknowledge it. What I've discovered is that self-awareness is the first step to moving beyond rejection. Self-aware, just to say, hey, I've got a problem. Someone else probably created the problem, but now the problem's yours, right? So just that, self, that self-awareness, to acknowledge, to acknowledge what you're feeling, to acknowledge that it, it hurt, to acknowledge that there's pain, to acknowledge that it's, it's real. You know, sometimes I think we get into this, I don't know how we get here into this crazy mode of thinking to think, well, you know, because I'm a Christian, I, I, I can't talk about I have pain. No, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you don't have pain. No, it, it, it is real. So, so to acknowledge it. Here's the second step to move beyond rejection. Don't believe the lie. The lie is that you're invaluable. Or we might say it like this, don't believe the lie that you're not valuable. And when we face the pain of rejection, there's a lie that the adversary brings. And here's the lie. The lie is that you're less than. The lie is that there's something wrong with you. The lie is that you're the problem. That you're not lovable, that you're not valuable. That's the lie. So, so don't believe the lie. Sometime back, this has been in a different season, sometime back I was working with an individual who had experienced the ugly process of divorce. And she had experienced the ugly process of divorce because her husband had left her for someone else. Let me say it a different way. He had rejected her for someone. It's not that he didn't want to be married. He didn't want to be married to her. And for months, she was stuck, stuck in this pain of, of rejection. And, and she was stuck in the pain of rejection because she believed a lie. And here's the lie, I'm not lovable. He chose her over me. Obviously, there's something wrong with me. She took the lie, hook, line, and sinker. And so what I did for... I don't know, a half an hour or so. I just took my Bible and I said, let's talk about what God says about who you are. So let's confront the lie with the truth. The truth says that God loves you outrageously. The truth says that God's singing songs of deliverance over you. The truth is, is that God knows you so intimately. The scripture says he knows the very number of hairs on your head. The truth is, God says that you're the apple of his eye, that you are his delight. That's the truth. But again, oftentimes what happens when we endure the pain of rejection, we leave ourselves open to believe a lie. And the lie is this, that you're not valuable. You're not lovable. And it's simply not true. That is the opposite. 
It's the exact opposite of what God has to say about you and your life. Hey, here's the third step to, to move beyond rejection is refuse to let rejection define you. Don't allow the pain of the past, the pain of rejection, to shape who you are and how you live. If you do, you become a, a, a prisoner. You, you'll be living a limited life. I mean, that point of rejection will become a limiting factor in your life. Listen, rejection is an event. It's something that's painful. It's something that happens to you. But you get to determine whether you live in it or you process through it. Whether you live in it or you process through it. There's a professional counselor who wrote an article about navigating rejection. And in that article, he wrote these words. Listen to what he said. When you are rejected, let the emotions roll through you, but don't let them park and become long-term visitors. Isn't that great? Let me read that again. It says, when you are rejected, let the emotions roll through you, but don't let them park and become a long-term visitor. That's some great advice. So you may have been rejected, but you don't have to live rejected. Can I get an amen on that? If necessary, listen, get some help. But don't camp out there. Don't allow the event you experienced, the injury from someone else, don't allow it to defy you. Now, Ephesians 2.10 says this, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. The New Living Translation says it like this, you are God's masterpiece. Think about that. You're God's masterpiece. So don't, don't allow rejection to tell you anything different. Jeremiah 29, 11 talks about the plans that God has for us, the future that he has for us. You know, what's so clear from scripture is that God loves you and he has great plans for you. So don't allow the rejection you experience to define who you are. Certainly a painful experience, but again, don't camp out there. Don't allow it to shape your present and your future. Here's the final way to move beyond rejection, and it may be the most important. Remember the opinion that matters most. The opinion that matters most. If someone said to me the other day, Pastor, you know opinions are like ears. Everyone has them. Isn't that true? Oftentimes people share their opinions and at times it can be painful, especially when it comes to rejection. But at the end of the day, the opinion that really matters is what God says. Listen, friends, he has the final word. You've probably figured out by now that people can be fickle. You notice that? I mean, I think of the crowd in this story we read in Mark 15. One day they're crying out, you are the king. We love you. We praise you. Hosanna. A couple days later, they're saying, crucify him. And people are fickle. Different opinions. Opinions always changing. And probably you've discovered not only are people fickle, but they can carry out painful acts that create injury. I mean, I think about Judas. I mean, Judas had been with Jesus for three years. Man, he had heard his teachings. He had seen the miracles. He experienced all of that, and he betrayed Jesus. Obviously, his opinion of Jesus changed. 
Listen, people you do life with have their opinions and they make their choices. Because of their opinion, they may choose to reject you, but always remember the opinion of the one who matters most is Jesus. And he's convinced that you're so valuable. Get this, and he died for you. If you ever question your value, all you have to do is think about the cross. And Jesus said, hey, you're so valuable. I'm willing to endure all of this for you. That's how treasured you are to him. I mean, think about this. Jesus knew rejection was coming. He knew that the cross was before him, yet he never wavered on the path that was before him. Why would Jesus willingly willingly subject himself to rejection in the cross? It was all because of you and me. Jesus endured the pain of rejection and the pain of crucifixion for us. His opinion is this. We were worth dying for. Don't miss this. It's a critical truth. You are the centerpiece in a story of relentless love. God's outrageous love for you. Others may reject you, but know that Jesus was rejected, that you might be accepted. He endured pain that we might have gain. So we don't need to be dependent upon other people's opinion of us because God's mind about you and me is already made up. Jesus thinks you're to die for. So live with confidence. Face rejection and the pain of rejection with resolve, knowing that Jesus was rejected so that you might be accepted. Listen, this is what what I'm confident of today. Because Jesus loves you outrageously, he wants to help you move through the pain of rejection. Through the pain that someone else created in your life. He knows how it feels. Listen, he knows the internal pain because he experienced it. Like this is not something that Jesus didn't experience. I mean, we just read the story. Jesus knew the pain of rejection. Today, he wants to bring healing for the wounded places in your life that come about as a, as a result of being rejected. I'm going to ask if you would set your Bible and your notes aside. I'm going to ask you to do something really bold. I'm going to take a little gumption. But if you're here this morning or you're watching online and you would say, I've experienced the pain of rejection and there's still residue of it in my life. And that can mean a lot of different things. It could play out in a lot of different ways. If you're here today and you're saying, I'm processing through the pain of rejection. This is what I believe today. Listen, I've been thinking about this and praying about this for 10 days. The Holy Spirit put this on my heart. That as we were here this morning, he was going to do some healing in people's lives. That he was going to meet you from what he experienced. Like he he gets it. Because he was there. He experienced it. He gets it, and he wants to meet you in that place of pain this morning and bring healing, help you process past that pain. 
So if you're here this morning, again, this is going to take a little boldness. But if you're here today and you say, I'm, I've experienced the pain of rejection and I'm processing through that, or maybe I'm stuck in that place of rejection, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. Maybe it was rejection that came about by a friend. Maybe rejection that came about from a family member. Maybe a rejection that came about by an ex-mate who chose someone else over you. Maybe it was by an employer who fired you for really no reason. It was a point of rejection where you were pushed aside or pushed away. And those are painful places. Anyone else would just say, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm there. And today, I just I want to open my heart for Jesus to bring healing, for Jesus to work in and through that place of pain. This is what we're going to do. There's a song that we're going to sing that's about Jesus being our healer. And as we sing this song, what I, I've been praying all week is that Jesus would step into that painful place. And he would do what only he could do, that he would bring help and healing to move you past that place of rejection. So would you, as we sing this, would you just allow the Holy Spirit to manifest that provision of Jesus to bring freedom in your life this morning? I'm going to ask for the rest of you, would you stand with us? Let's worship the Lord together. Let's declare these truths this morning.
Before I pray over you this morning, for those who were standing earlier, identifying your processing through, or maybe stuck in pain, can I prophesy over you this morning? You are God's masterpiece. You are loved and lovable. You're not defined by what happened to you, you're defined by who God says you are and you are chosen, and you are accepted, and you're deeply loved. Lord, I thank you this morning for your presence in our lives and for the help that you bring. Holy Spirit, this morning I ask that you manifest the healing, restoring power of Jesus. Lord, for those who were, were standing, Lord, I don't know what they've experienced, but Lord, this is, but this is what I know. It created deep pain. Lord, I thank you that you met them this morning in that pain and you're moving them out of that pain to a greater place, a healthier place. Lord, no longer will they live defined by rejection. But Lord, I pray today that they would walk into the fullness of the purpose and the plans that you have for them, knowing that they are loved, they are valuable, and they are accepted. How we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.